So I'm going to jump into all these movies. So I just realized chronologically, we're just going to really confuse the hell out of people if we just go straight into the next show and then back to the movies. Like, no, okay, screw it. I'm going to go into the movies. Very somehow. They definitely uh, all vary. I definitely like them better than some people. I definitely like them better than some of the Star Trek movies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Even though some of them do not work as anything other than extended episodes, because... You do have to be familiar with some of them. I'll, I'll, I'll hit on it later. There's some that I got into later because they were just good standalone movies. Just making sure I have the order right. In the beginning, and then there's Third third Space, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, in the beginning. Uh, and then her, Third Space, and then River of Souls. I think I have the order right. Are we going chronologically or with the order they aired? I'm not oh, the sh- order that, oh, oh, yeah, I got the chronological stuff. I, just, I oh, mean, yeah. the order in which they aired. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because oh. Space. Yeah, because yeah, because most of, well, some of the movies were done for TNT. Okay, yeah, I got it right. Okay, before season five aired, oh, lo and behold, there was a feature movie that basically uh, has stock footage of Sinclair and is basically a prequel. You cut to older Londo telling a kid a story about how the whole thing began. and stupidity all in the same package how efficient one last battle this is foolish the human race ends with the current generation but at least we will have a fighting chance of taking them out with us next scene is presumed to be hostile weapon hard kill the humans fire it will i repeat fire find out why humanity's first step into space was almost its last and its worst enemy was its only hope for survival watch in the beginning the first ever full-length Babylon 5 movie. See the two-hour world premiere next. And don't miss the series starting tomorrow exclusively on TNT. It's definitely got some great battles and backstory. Some fans have recommended that if you're going to get into the whole thing, that you watch this one first. I... Yeah. don't know how I feel about that. What's your take? I am a fan of watching them in the order that they aired so i would wait till <laughs> season five to watch this i mean but, unless you gotta just introduce someone who just wants it all then and there maybe but i mean you're still gonna be asking some questions and saying i don't understand what that vision ma- uh, makes sense of i did have to suspend a little belief that dr franklin and sharon were on a away team mission together is like before they work together i'm like mm-hmm. yeah okay Connie. <laughs> That's a bit of a recon. I don't. Why would you put a doctor in the middle of the field? This isn't Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sheridan, I don't know. He, it seemed kind of silly that he has to run away from an explosion. It just feels like something out of a totally different syndicated adventure show, like The Sentinel <laughs> or MacGyver. Even you know, it's like <laughs> you don't need that. <laughs> it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like. And they're on some weird kind of icy planet, so feel free to make your own references to the thing if you want. Uh, or uh, to Hoth or whatever. Yeah, there you go, Star Wars <laughs> Hoth. And some giant Imperial walkers are going to come <laughs> bursting in. <laughs> I do think the second part of it's really cool. You see Ivanova in a brief cameo at the beginning, and her connection. 
at that time, it was her kind of only return to the franchise. So that was cool. You do see some of the other guys and generals who have made brief appearances on season four and five appear here. And they're all character actors who always made a living just being police sergeants and lieutenants and, you know, generals. You know, they've all been in movies like the 98 Godzilla and <laughs> NYPD Blue and Armageddon. So it's cool seeing those guys work their magic. Oh, Ross Tamblin was in one episode earlier on in the show. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, doesn't he appear here? And yeah, some I don't know if it's this movie, but it was in one episode. I just love him from Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, very much so. They're, they had some great guest stars, and in the beginning, definitely has these exclusive guest stars. I, I pretty much all like all the actors that appear in a lot of these because they really do bring a lot to it. They take it so serious. And there's a reason TV Guide at one point gave this an A. Minus saying the best TV show ever. <laughs> ever. And this is followed then by Third Space. <laughs> it is said that in every age, there is one singular event that forever changes the world around us. A nexus, if you will. It is said that the future is always born in pain. The history of war is the history of pain. If we are wise, what is born of that pain matures into the promise of a better world because we learn that we can no longer afford the mistakes of the past. Oh my God. But in the pain of that war, a future was born. A future that would one day have a name whispered on a hundred worlds. It was the middle of the Earth year 2261, the year between wars and the beginning of a new age. The Shadow War was over, but there was still a darkness waiting for us at home. President Santiago had been assassinated, and his successor, President Clark, was turning Earth into a prison camp. We'd broken away from Earth, and in retaliation, they quarantined us, trying to strangle our supply lines. We were desperate, and we couldn't afford to lose even a single supply ship. In the midst of all of this, we made contact with Third Space, and we almost didn't survive it. I only hope we never come across it again, because next time, no one's going to survive it. Well, Woo. was this movie unnecessary or... <laughs> well, it definitely depends. So, yes, this is basically a tribute. Uh, it has a lot of uh, Forbidden Planet uh alien type uh designed uh creatures and uh it's a chalo uh type creature so it's very lovecraftian it's co-stars uh sherry belafonte uh you know daughter of harry who you know had been in so many dramatic shows she just wanted to do sci-fi she was a fan of the show according to her cnn interview on that one exclusive members dvd it has one season one character played by William Sanderson of Blade Runner fame, but I was not affected by him appearing there. I always got him mixed up with Steve Railsback, who played Ted Bundy in that one. Not uh, William Bundy. Sanderson, is that the... Um, not Ted Bundy. He played... Uh, Newhart. Um, uh, was he on Newhart? Yes. Yeah. He's on okay. Deadwood and True Blood. I'd yeah, Deadwood as well, yeah. He's been around this time. He's in so many other B movies playing knockoff characters of his Blade Runner characters. Like, damn, dude, fire your agent. But uh, 
Yeah, so this kind of ties to the Shadow uh, storyline. I can see why this wouldn't appeal to some people. I just felt like it was a fun kind of just standalone movie. That's why it worked for me. I didn't have to know anything about it. Near the end when it, the creature is using mind control and the entire... Uh, this is where it feels like, to me, like it's up there with the better Star Trek original series and Next Generation movies because you got uh, Zach having to... Uh, and security guys having to uh, lock down an entire uh, bunch of people who are just, because they're mind-controlled by the creature, they're all getting into fights with one another, and so the bars and other places are breaking out into a fight. And this is while, at the same time, while you're having an outer space battle. I'm like, okay, I like it when it, you do the Star Trek, Star Wars level. Yeah, the Star Trek brawl. Yeah, three different battles fighting all together at the same time and making sense of it all. I guess I like this more than I remember because I just I was looking at my notes from when I reviewed it for the podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> so I guess yeah, I liked it's it not for all, but uh, I remember some people saying it was a good standalone movie, and I definitely think that's the main thing. It worked for me at first. The Vanova stuff, if there's any critique her visions kind of do kind of go on way longer than they need to. I don't think she overacts. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just one of those like, yeah, it took a little time going there and just getting, making sense of it all is feels like so, but it's definitely the most alien aliens of the whole thing. I guess you could say. Yeah. They had two hours to feel. So just went on over. pretty quickly. I didn't even know it was two hours. I was just, but yeah, it does it does take its time in some segments, but it's definitely not boring compared to yeah. some other less. So the artifact is kind of cool, especially how, once again, Sheridan has the nuke. <laughs> <laughs> the Sheridan solution to so big problems. That's, part that's a little formulaic. It's kind of hysterical seeing Patrick Swayze's brother Don as one of the Raider leaders. I guess that's another critique. The Raiders at the beginning really don't have much of anything to do with the whole thing, but it kind of sets it up. It's, you, you start out with a space arrest of a bunch of pirates. So that's just there to get your attention. They didn't need it. And Dr. Franklin's well used here. He doesn't, you know, he does more than just sci-fi exposition. He also gets to do a lot of kind of investigating kind of. So I guess that's what it works for. Delenn makes sense. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, it, it's definitely... Even though Gerivaldi unfortunately is missing from this, it, it it's all good. I I think it's definitely if I had to rank the top B five movies, this one is definitely one of my favorites. And it, it you could watch it without and make sense of it all and just say that was kind of a cool B, you know, scientific feature in space. That was cool. Yeah. As opposed to be like, ah, I feel like I, I guess it was okay. I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know what these people were talking about. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, in the beginning, don't get me wrong, that had some cool space battles, but, and don't get me wrong, it's a four out of five, no problem. It was one of those, it's like, I don't know if, eh, why, show it to people if they instantly just are carefree and just want some instant entertainment, but if they want to make sense of it all, they're going to have trouble at first and only really get into it because of the visual storytelling. Uh, so, yeah, this one, for me was just a better standalone movie and it felt it didn't feel like just an episode that went on two hours for me i really did dig it and ivanova got to be her usual heroic self and sherry belafonte 
for, you know, don't get me wrong, like Star Trek, this franchise had plenty of actors who just wanted to work with people who were hired. This was casted by Mary Jo Slater, Christian Slater's, you know, mother, who was a oh. casting agent. And uh, there was definitely a bunch of actors who like Bernie Casey on Deep Space Nine. You know, they weren't sci-fi people, but they wanted to work with the various actors. And here, you know, Sherry just was wanted to just do a sci-fi movie and was just sold on it and just like the premise. And she really does really good as the scientist who's kind of an anti-hero is like, okay, yeah, I was arrogant. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is my creation. And <laughs> they do a good job of just not villainizing her and just saying is like, yeah, well, this could have been avoided, but we learned something, didn't we? <laughs> She's a rascal. It's kind of charming in a way. It's going on in the next one. And this is definitely one that will divide everyone. The river of souls. <laughs> A billion souls trapped forever are about to break free. We want revenge! Now, there's no limit to what they can do. Get down! TNT presents a world premiere movie event. Fire! Featuring Martin Sheen as Soul Hunter. River of Souls. Premieres Sunday night at 8, only on TNT. It's not a Billy Joe. No, that's River of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, unusual scientist, Dr. Bryson, played by Ian McShane. Yeah. Uh, mm. Deadwood star who's been in everything, like every other British show. And before being in, you know, John Wick, Pirates of the Caribbean, Sexy Beast, been in one of Tarantino's favorite movies, Sitting Target. But yeah, he... Uh, English actor who, for a man who did not years later say that he didn't really enjoy working on this because this, it had so much verbiage that he didn't understand, I think he does pretty good here. He sells you on the science and just takes it straight without seeming bored or like they barely were able to get a, you know, something out of him. But uh, the real guest spot here is Martin Sheen as the mysterious... Prisoner. Soul Hunter. <laughs> they always hinted at the Soul Hunters having giant butt heads with diamonds on them. Yeah. Uh, well, what's your take on the makeup? Was it done well, or was it kind of schlocky? Not the best. What? what what's? The... I don't. Yeah, I didn't like the Soul Hunter makeup, or even you know, the original in the first season. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of different. It doesn't really work, but it's didn't work to begin with. <laughs> what? I don't know. I kind of wonder if he just. Martin Sheen just thought it was interesting or wanted to do something sci-fi or if he just does pretty much anything he's asked to do. Like what's, how did he get signed I think on? he has, uh, well, they he almost didn't get on the West Wing because no one thought he would accept the role because he was kind of doing more lead roles and just key supporting roles. And here, that's a good point. And this role, I, I definitely think he digs into it. He, But I can see why... Because the there's a lot of overacting, it's going to be an acquired taste. This is an extended episode. I don't think it works as a standalone movie. It's kind of annoying how Dr. Franklin appears, but only in like a dream, like hologram or something. <laughs> uh, Dr. Lockley, I'll, I'll give it to her. Tracy, it, it feels like two different episodes stapled together. Now there's a virtual stuff and it's kind of erotic. And it's like, yeah, B5, you don't have to be too softcore. Please don't do that. Um it, do, it doesn't show anything, but it hints at it. <laughs> yeah. How she's wearing a bikini and how basically the person is a hacker. He's violating 
you know, defamation of character because he's, you know, taking photos of her and animating her in his dreams, which is creepy. Yeah, it was kind of like a hollow sweet a, thing. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess you could say it's a little over-derivative, but it's also kind of in a way where it's like, it's just the next two episodes stapled together. Yeah. I, I don't find the first part of it as interesting. I like the ideas and the talk about it, but it's just, it has a rough beginning. I can understand people not liking the Soul Hunters, so if you don't like the Soul Hunters, you're not going to like this movie. How they defeat it's kind of interesting. I guess I just find it interesting just seeing Lockley just jump around having to go for this whole thing, and that's really where it gets fu- fun. You're seeing Garibaldi and uh, Zach, who returns on a visit, you know, just show up and have to help her out. And then Zach, he's like, what kind of machine is this? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, like a side mission of a video game. It's not the main attraction. Probably wouldn't recommend this to people who, uh, unless they're B5 completists. So. Yeah, unless you just have to see everything, I would say you can skip this one. I guess it's a two, three out of five. Yeah. I was bored, but it wasn't that interesting half the time so but i didn't hate it as much as others but it wasn't it really didn't change up anything it shouldn't have been a movie it should they should just split up the episodes and actually had it be a subplot as opposed to a main thing i mean i'll give martin sheen credit he does i do buy what he's selling but at the same time like he could he could have played some totally different kind of alien (laughs) He didn't have to be a soul hunter named soul hunter. (laughs) (laughs) So hunter number one. Ironically, his picture on the DVD cover looks and the poster looks way better than what you see on the, any other press material or in the actual final cut. I guess how the animations handled is good. Although it's kind of a dumb how Dr. Bryson appears, then he disappears for a big stretch of time. Then we need your help again. Where were you the last 40 minutes? (laughs) it's pretty loose i feel like it was rushed i don't i could watch it and if i just wanted a carefree just have it on but like i say is like eh, i don't really need it yeah ironically though i kind of like it better than lesser sci-fi entries of other franchises which is saying something i guess <laughs> uh i don't know it's not it didn't need to be made I'm just in denial because yeah, just it's just it's lazy <laughs> entertainment, but it's not. It's still more classy than actual lazy entertainment. Like it's not like a Brett Ratner piece of shit film, but it's not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Roland Emmerich, you know, Independence Day mm. Part Five Thousand. <laughs> but at the same time, it's still not as lively as even a Michael Bay movie. So that's kind of a. Praise? Question mark? Question mark? Yeah, I enjoy a good Michael Bay movie. So <laughs> I, I, I can do war movies and all that. Is yeah. when you get to Transformers and Pearl Harbor is where he made a infamous name for himself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, moving on to a movie, I'm counting the gathering as a backdoor pilot. So in the beginning and third space. And River Souls, those were the first free technical, you know, post-season four movies. And so it brings us to A Call to Arms, the final one at that time that aired on TV. This January 3rd, the crew of Babylon 5 has one last mission. To give Earth one last chance. But this time, 
not everyone will return. Of course, it's Ultron 7. Aye, sir. Earth will not escape. Man battle stations. And hope lies in a ship named Victory. Let's see how advanced this ship really is. Fire. The world premiere of A Call to Arms. See it for the first time anywhere, Sunday at 8, only on TNT. Well, this one divides everybody, so I'm, I'll let you hit it off. I'll let you... <laughs> I must have really hated this one because I'm looking at my score for this episode. <laughs> it is probably one of the lowest in all of Babylon 5 that I gave because I'm usually, you know, pretty lenient. But yeah, I, I remember when I first saw it back in 1999, I think I really liked it. But I guess watching it for more critically for the podcast, I didn't like it. I think I didn't like Galen at all for some reason. Um Galen, Galen, Galen. Uh, Galen was, I know that name. He was the guy, Peter Woodward. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Galen, who later sets up in the Crusade TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm biased. I, this I is how I, I got into B5. Oh, this movie? <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of actors who were in it. I heard it was a good standalone action movie. I, I, I love the cover, which is a bunch of battles. Semi-accurate. It's not 100%. Because it felt like a... I liked it better than all the other Star Trek movies. And so I guess that's why I dug it. It wasn't It wasn't as formulaic as some of those became. And this is even years before, you know, the reboot movies and all the bigger divide there. There was a lot of character actors who later went on to do bigger stuff, too. Um, uh, I really... I have to say, they they really did always have the casting down to perfection. They had Yuri, who's played by Andre Hules, who was for a while seemed to be the go-to for playing a Russian or German ambassador. He plays fake Billy Crystal on Tim and Eric. So yeah. <laughs> if you want some random comedic talent in there. Uh, Carlos Bernard, best known as Tony Almeida on 24, gets to play communications. I think he does pretty good because, you know, he... They mentioned his part of his name, I think. I think you see it on his uniform. But yeah, he he's for a guy who's fresh off of, you know, at that time, cheesy Aaron Spelling stuff. And, you know, a year before starting on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger out of all fucking things. Mm. He, he's having to do a job of both, you know, shout commands, warnings, exposition and uh, kind of show kind of the emotion of what he's seeing. And that makes it a little more powerful is just. What are you seeing before they actually show us it? And it's like, okay, cool. Gerobaldi's still here. He's his usual amusing self. It's kind of funny how at first he starts off with some amusing reminiscing and just with Sheridan. And Zach also gets some funny things just when he gets to talk to uh, Dorina, the new alien gal. I did of- not like Dorina either. <laughs> but just his face just when he's at the security booth he's like what are you packing there (laughs) just packing every single weapon is like how did you how did you get that on the station (laughs) um scene still for me here is uh commander anderson played by tony todd i did like i did like commander anderson (laughs) Yeah, yeah tony todd has done it all he's done been the rock he's been in platoon so he's done all the soldier roles he's owned those uh he was the candy man after all and by this point he'd been in all three of the movies by that point of course trackies knew him for playing multiple guest spot roles especially older jake cisco on deep space nine in one key episode and but 
all of us mainly know him for, you know, playing on both DS9 and Next Generation, playing Worf's brother. He plays Kern, Worf's brother on there, and owned it. Years later, he gets some great uh, recurring roles on shows like Chuck, 24. There's plenty of others, but definitely some of the best ones are uh, the Night of the Living Dead remake. So there you go. Connection to Patricia Tolman, Lita. Uh, the Man from Earth, which also got a sequel. That's really good. I haven't seen the sequel, but the first one's really good. Same. I need to see that one. And I mean, around this time, he would later be in a few other side projects with Candyman director and various voiceovers. I, I always pretty much put him in Lance Henriksen and Michael Ironside in the same pedestal. Just always brought A-list acting to every movie. Even Andrew DeVoff, the Wishmaster. This, those guys are my four... They're my mans. They're they're my guys. I answer to it. <laughs> I, I love those guys because they uh, just chameleons, just descend into anything. Say what you will about uh, questionable choices. They they still have just. If I can name over ten plus uh, picks of their greatest movies in different genres, that they, they really are that cool. So, and of course, they've done so many guest spots that. I know enough of them, but there's others. It's like it was so brief an appearance. I, I really don't remember him on that show. So for for this one, I still think this is one of his better movie roles because he he you get to see his family. It's touching and you see him dedicated to the cause. He gets to be extremely heroic in the very end scene. And it's a interesting montage because it's like cutting back and forth between the battles and their faces as they're yelling fire, but you don't hear them yelling fire, but you know what they're yelling. Box Lutner is shared and really does get the most fire, fire, fire. Goes <laughs> <laughs> ape shit there. Yeah. Galen doesn't really have much connection until like the very end. I do have to say as, as a pilot for the crusade thing, would you say this is a good standalone movie or its own thing? I mean, um, it- yeah, I think yeah, I think it's more of a setup for Crusade, maybe a yeah, backdoor gotcha. pilot for Crusade. It does kind of like Third Space show more of the station again. Uh, luckily, you know, Scoggins' character doesn't really have much to do except just you know uh, acknowledge that she's you know this is basically Sheridan's final mission before he retires. So that's the whole essence of what it brought to me. I do kind of like him in. Tony Todd's Anderson characters, their humor, because it's kind of both just kind of college, high school level as and at the same time without being gross, you know, like they, they're doing some scientific artifact uh, look around on the planet. Um, the new gal uh, who's a pirate antihero who teams up with the character, much like Galen, appears on the Crusade spinoff show, uh, Darina, she... Uh, if I had any complaint, it's cool seeing it's both cool for me seeing the whole station of the pirates and everything. But at the same time, some of the stuff with her just kind of fighting all these pirates and making a name for herself takes way too long. So, yeah, cut it out. You really don't lose too much momentum, even though I did recognize Mojolini, who's kind of who you get if you can't afford Danny Trejo or every other lesser known mixed Latino actor. <laughs> He's played plenty of Arab terrorists and Latin thugs in every yeah. other screen movie. Still was never as big a name star, but yet whenever I see him, it's like, I know I've seen him. <laughs> I didn't find some of the scientists as interesting at first. 
And then when spoiler, there's a uh, mutinies. That's where I was like, okay, now this is diehard space type stuff. Now I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he look like Joel Hodgson on Mystery Science Theater? I saw a picture of him when Garibaldi is choking him out. I'm like, that looks like Joel Hodgson from Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the photo. There's got to be a photo of it somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you look up a review for this movie, you'll find a picture of him being choked out by Jeroboam. I'm like, it looks like Jalons. <laughs> Is this a MST3K, same universe? <laughs> That'd be one Probably. <laughs> and somewhere this stretches. B5 at this point, when you look at it, is like, without this universe, you definitely don't have other shows like Lex or Farscape. <laughs> Uh, Farscape. Uh, I have to give that one another try one of these days. It's all good. I thought I, I kind of initially was digging it. And at the, after a while, it just got to be so much. I'm like, I need to just skip through it and go on to a show I actually am more invested in, like Dark Matter. <laughs> yeah, I didn't let everybody seem like... I mean, it's weird they go. I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody's working together at the end of the episode. Within next episode starts, and everybody hates each other again. Exactly. uh, It's it's too much all around, just craziness, and the humor is just kind of. You got to be really in the mood for it. And for me, I don't know. I just I like the puppetry and all that stuff, and the effects. It's just half the time like the episodes just feel way longer like i only want to watch 20 minutes of each one as opposed to the whole 40 minute and like that's not good yeah b5 is definitely for me dated better than farscape i can understand people loving farscape i get it i do it's just for me it's one of those i just had to just skip around because i don't know it's just you got to really be in the mood for it and with b5 it's just there's enough side missions and journeys and it's a big enough planets that they're going to in addition to a giant space station as well as the different ships this one uh, yeah they're testing out that was the selling point for me they got these high class spaceships they haven't been tested yet yet they have to test them out now because there's this mysterious alien race called the drake which are going to poison earth which they do yeah. oh yeah yeah it's it's interesting. I, I think that's why I give it extra points. It's a fail mission. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They, they didn't save the day in the end. They have to sacrifice themselves and take out some of the ships, and yet some of them still break through. Let's go to the battles, which is the main reason to see this. Did you feel like there was enough buildup to just kind of want to see him just take it down, especially with Garibaldi's comments? Like, what kind of a ship is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I love a good space battle so <laughs> anytime yeah. Uh, but yeah this ship um especially because they seem to be reusing the sets at times <laughs> I, I would definitely say they do a good enough job of making the editing is linear enough to where you're able to follow okay that's ship number two anderson's show that's ship number one you know yeah and uh it's confusing at first but there's apparently a novelization and i asked a q a is like whoa so how many people are on each of these ships and it's like okay so there's like 365 or something like a typical cruiser can carry on it because it's basically a replacement for a typical B5 type battle cruiser ship. It's like, okay, but it's got better armor and everything, but it's still, it hasn't been completely built yet. So it's not, it's a test run. <laughs> it's not a finished ship, but they basically claim that they, the novelization kind of reaffirms the fact, like the opening dialogue that they split the crew in half. It's like, okay, so. <laughs> 
So about 365, I'll, yeah, I'll just layer it out a bit or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when they get away from B5, they, they stop focusing on it as much. They pretty much then have to have a few other cruisers come in and just fight with them. But at the end of the day, uh, so I think what really grinds everyone in half with this is the music. Uh, some people just can't dig the electronic score. I didn't even really notice it until like rewatch is like, oh, okay, yeah, that's not Christopher Frank's, you know, Tangerine Dream score. This is a different electronic <laughs> score. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember standing out, but yeah, really, only like the song that plays in the in credits is what gets me. And uh, it's interesting how they do the credits this time around. It's like. Uh, Warner, you know, paid channel entertainment, you know, just all the logos are coming out. A lot of people thought it was a breaking point. I never had an issue with it. For me, like parts of the Frank score, a lot of it's more entertaining to hear when you're watching the movie versus when you're watching it by itself, isolated. And I, I'm biased. I like electronic music as long as it's not just generic. <laughs> you know, it's, I got to actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it would have worked in a video game probably better, but uh, for TV, you know. They didn't have a budget for a bigger name person, guys. For me, this is what got me into B5. So uh, very biased uh, three and a half, maybe a four out of five. And it's a standalone adventure, even though it's a backdoor pilot also. I at least feel like uh, Sheridan carried the movie at least. So that was cool instead of just letting the movie do the talking. Because, yeah, he does carry it in in the beginning, but it's kind of more of an anthology movie. So uh, for him to be here and just actually leading a final battle and doing what I see love seeing him do. I, I, even though he doesn't get many speeches, which is okay. He didn't need any speeches. What would you, what would you have said? <laughs> he always needs us. No, I'm kidding. You <laughs> can always find an excuse for a speech about yeah. orange juice or something. Right. Orange juice is the best. Yeah. So it brings us to final TV spinoff show crusade. <laughs> ah, okay. We're in a state of planetary alert. Every man, woman, and child of your world. The Earth has been quarantined with some kind of a plan. My world is dead. I don't plan on being dead anytime soon. Six renegade rangers. If they don't find a cure, Earth is history. Ready, main gun, fire. Watch Crusade, a special limited series from the creators of Babylon 5, every Wednesday night at 10 on TNT. When it first came out on TNT, I only saw the first four episodes and somehow I missed the next one and I always intended on getting caught up and catching a rerun somehow, but it got canceled before I could do that. So yeah, I never got to see the rest until you know, a few yeah. years ago on DVD. Always wanted to see it. I would see it be very well regarded on dvd when it was launched it had it came with some exclusive special features it definitely had way better cgi in a way that was a weird thing uh, i i think what appealed to me was uh gary cole really did carry the show in my opinion he just really was comfortable doing that you know it's the same year he made office space so yeah i want to need you to come in on <laughs> that's all right no it's fine yeah um yeah, I, Gary Cole is really good in the show too. Um, I, I, I agree. But, um, I like Daniel Day Kim in it. Um, this is yeah, before, before Lost, Lost, right? Yeah. And twenty four as he's in the first few seasons of that. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, this is his first gig. And recently, believe it or not, he this year he talked with Straczynski and he showed a picture of it, posted it on his Twitter. And he was like, this was my favorite first gig. It was a blessing. And Straczynski was like, you are welcome back at our house and our f- any future project. And, and Kim was like, I'll take that as a, as an invite. Sure. <laughs> I lucked out. I bought this on Amazon Prime because, you know, they didn't have it for streaming. And I watched it in the creator's intended order. Yeah. Used to, you had to flip the DVDs, take out disc five, then put disc one and two back in and then take out it out. And I'm like, that, that sucks. How <laughs> do uh, you hate it when they do that kind of stuff when they don't they air it in the order that yeah you intended. there were several different intended orders there was a continuity order i think that's what i did it in i went in the continuity order and that made so much sense i think i think i think yeah i did it in the continuity order it was someone and it was closer to the sci-fi channel airings in a way but sci-fi was really only just airing episodes that hadn't been aired as well as in the TNT order. So, yeah. yeah t- so this was what severed the whole relationship. And Straczynski went and started filming, uh, writing for film because all of a sudden he could have eased, you know, a romantic relationship would have actually worked for this, I think, better. But uh, he didn't want to play ball with that. And that just uh, they put it in the worst time slot because they just he and the network got so tired of working with each other. And it's like, God damn it. So this show was dead on arrival before it came out. Yeah. And, uh, it was canceled. Yeah. It was canceled before it even aired. Right. Or not exactly, that far into it. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, because of the episode, there was a lot of contrarians in the reviews. They said, Oh, you know, Scoggins is uh, Lockley who becomes a, the main B five returning character and becomes briefly romantically involved with the captain here. Uh, that she, you know, didn't have anything to do with the whole deal of this. Uh, she really does. They were like, oh, she only appears in one episode, even though she's in the credits. I'm like, that's bullshit. She appears in like three to five other episodes. <laughs> um, There's definitely an early episode. It's got to be episode two or three, which is definitely the most more tracked than B5 has ever been. It features a supercomputer with a brain. It's kind, of, it's kind of a doomsday device in the same thing and the way it communicates through its light and everything. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Because B5 had never gotten... It had always had track elements, you know, but it had mostly avoided doing the planet exploration and just more of the in space and righteousness of the people, you know, type philosophy versus politics. So how do you feel about Galen when he's the techno-mage here and he's being more playful with words here? I think I just had such a bad impression of him that I just, he was never going to, he didn't have enough time to win me over. It's all good. Yeah, I. Marjane yeah, Holden wrote, it plays the doctor on here. And I guess my complaint is she really doesn't have as many episodes to feature in. She had previously yeah. played by actress and stuntwoman Marjane Holden, who previously played a entirely unrelated navigator in the last one. Maybe they were the same person. We just didn't know. But yeah, she had. Briefly starred in a few different B-movies. Had actually been Purple Heart for caring about combat wounded. Oh, cool. She's worked with combat veterans. So, But yeah, she's been in a lot of dorky comedies. She's one of the student speakers in Bill and Ted. Just other B-movies, like with often starring Olivia Gilrunner, who I'm surprised wasn't on here. But yeah, she's mostly just been a, much like Patricia Tallman, you know, who played Lita, just kind of a stunt actress, you know, just acting in a role, playing a henchwoman. Probably her best-known role after this is being on the Beastmaster show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
key guest spots on other stuff like Pacific Blue, uh, board themed episode Deep Space Nine, and even other stuff like Tells from the Crypt, Jag, and La Femme Nikita. So I think she's cool. She doesn't really get enough to do on here. So that's my main complaint. Yeah, it was a. It was a shame, though. I, I mean, I found out, I guess, years later because JMS shares so much information. Did you watch it in the order he intended, or did you watch it in the broadcast order? I watched it on whatever is on the DVD. I'm not sure which order that is. Yeah, that's the oh. broadcast order. So, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the final episode is definitely uh, wasn't even meant to be the ending. But, yeah, if you watched it in that ending, yeah. That's why many reviewers I noticed on, especially on DVD talk, were saying it ends on a cliffhanger. I'm like, mm, no, it doesn't. But yeah, if you watch it in that order, yeah, it feels like a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, I found out later some of the plans he had for the show, which like, man, I wish, because the the main plot of finding the cure was supposed to be. I think solved by season two or something like that, which would have been, this is kind of, I don't know how many shows do that now where they like resolve the main plot, like, you know, in the second season and then move on to other stuff. Um, the main, yeah, yeah. he, he definitely made the scripts for unfilmed episodes available. At one point, Galen was supposed to have a, like there were supposed to be some other just key characters and mutinies and other things. I watched it in the intended order. A lot of them really did feel just like B5, just kind of if it just focused on the people and the various captains of the guest stars or recurring ones of the week. It was definitely more Star Trek than B5. So because I like track, I just kind of like this one. CGI is way better. Even though you know it's CGI, it doesn't stand out like a sore thumb, like some early 90s early 2000s show it definitely looks better than earlier episodes of star trek enterprise that's saying a lot because <laughs> 2004 and this was you know 99 so it's trying to be its own thing i think the score is definitely better here definitely more not trance level electronic but just kind of more just kind of mysterious electronic and it's like okay that's way closer to what christopher frank was going for it's not better than his but i if I didn't know, I could have sworn it might have been. So, I mean, um, there's a cool planet battle where basically uh, Gideon has to lead lead a bunch of space fighters into a trap. And I thought that was interesting because you never really see anything, you know, Star Wars type adventure like that in B5. Uh, everyone has a few connections to Mars. I think that's interesting. I as Lieutenant Matheson, Daniel Day Kim gets a lot to do, much like Ivanova and Josh Cox on the original B5 show. He gets to yeah. spout exposition while also oftentimes anchoring it in many ways. He'll often be the guy who's like the first, you know, the main line of defense who's make, making general orders, messing with the computer. I think it helps that you expect it to go to different unusual planets, so you're kind of ready for the unknown yet at the same time there are some unusual ones where it's like mm, a little shabby there i did not like the episode which uh was basically a parody of the x-files these two aliens who are basically federal agents from whatever alien species they are just going around and it's just so clear and cringeworthy that they're based off you know Mulder and scully to where it's like i'm just shaking my head no yeah 
There's one, but there's one part where they kind of touch on the telepath war, and I wish we've gotten to learn more about that. Um, that would have been cool, yeah. Because yeah, that is the other thing about Lieutenant Matheson. Like, like Ivanova, he doesn't. He, unlike her, he does know he's a telepath right away instead of you know hiding it. But it's yeah, that would have been way better. He could have even led his own show if they did in their spinoff. I guess I really didn't like Max Ellerson, the archaeologist played by David Allen Brooks. He'll say smart stuff, but then he'll just do other arrogant stuff. And it's like, then hit on some of the other female leads. It's like, I don't want her to get along with this dude. No. Yeah. <laughs> he'll say something that's smart, but if there's too much time spent on him, it's like, yeah, you're kind of annoying. <laughs> Give him enough time. He'll get on your nerves. <laughs> yeah, he really did. He's, he's Garibaldi, but not funny. <laughs> He'll say something that's truthful, but if you didn't have enough interesting stuff going on, and if he had to anger it, uh, it wouldn't have worked. At one point, Peter Woodward's father, Edward Woodward, best known for the Equalizer TV show, uh, guest stars on one episode, and he had an unusual role, just as another kind of prof prophet. <laughs> Do you enjoy this as its own thing, or just as a part as a mild chapter of the b5 sh franchise or just as a missed opportunity altogether uh, maybe all three <laughs> it was pretty good it, it wasn't you know i wish they'd had more time to you know get established but overall i enjoyed it i uh, wish and i can't blame anyone for not being familiar with this this studio buried it so i mean yeah. This has so much working against it. It seems like a lot of B5 guys have gone out and bought the DVDs, watched them multiple times while still not finding it as good as the better, you know, earlier show. I think in a ways this is just Straczynski doing Star Trek, but being comfortable doing his own thing. So if you're an independent filmmaker and you want to make your own sci-fi show, watch this. B5 is definitely inspirational to me as a filmmaker and, you know, getting into the world of indie film because it just shows you what you can do with limited resources and still have a cool, compelling story. Definitely more so here, you know, save the battles for the very end of the episode and or don't have them at all. Have stuff like Mind Control. There's a cool episode where this back, you know, fungus has taken over this visiting captain and he basically is like, if you, you know, deprive us of oxygen you'll kill the entity we've taken over as well <laughs> some cool quandary stuff there i guess what you could say is the dracker really just a plot device you really don't see much of them except they're space fighters i kind of for any other show i think that would have just been an epic fail uh for here i didn't really mind it i was just like okay you know it's cool seeing him visit b5 from time to time and you know of course this is before they shut it down, so that's why he's there with Lockley. I dug him and her uh, uh, chemistry together. It was just so natural, unusually, which is saying something because they hadn't had really time to become, you know, just, hey, how you doing? Good looking, you know? <laughs> I will say, though, when they're making out of the shower, there's some cheesy as fuck, just stacks of phone. <laughs> I'm like, no, nine, only in the 90s, man. Why did they do that? It takes you out of it. <laughs> This is yeah. your diaries. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> they don't show anything, but you you know what's going on. <laughs> so they show some shadow technology and some other stuff. But like you say, they could have done more with the telepath stuff. So yeah, other than two episodes, it really wasn't rough. It kind of knew what it wanted to be, but it was still an unfinished story. So I just kind of consider it a subplot chapter. It's a, another adventure. 
Okay. But yeah, I, 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 it's definitely better than some of the movies, I guess. Yeah. uh, (laughs) It's comfortable being its own thing as opposed to, Hey, here's an episode that never got filmed. Let's film it. I liked it better than the call to arms. I was saying. That's all good. (laughs) Ironically, call to arms in third space. I would show to people if they just want to just get into it, just get the general gist of it. But at the same time, there's still going to be people is like, "Eh, yeah, no, I can't get into it. It doesn't do anything for me. (laughs) Yeah. Crusades the same way. I think, even if you didn't care for a call to arms, you can give this one just a shot. Just it really, even though it's not a finished story, it's still worth just watching. If, especially if you're a fan of the actors and you want to see, I know some people don't really care for Lockley. This might not change your opinion of her, but I mean, it, it at least connects itself to a B five universe. Cause I mean, it kind of helped already. Cause Gideon is basically comes recommended with, uh, Sheridan. So the only thing missing would have been it would have really made a difference had either he appeared in the Call to Arms movie or Sheridan appeared in the first movie just saying, you know, I'm putting you in charge as, you know, head of the space fleet. That would have made a real difference, but they didn't do that. And I don't know whether to knock it because that would have been both typical, but it also would have made it a little more personal. I don't know. Yeah. What would you have done, you think? Maybe. Um, yeah, I'll find it with, well, he was in a call to arms. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I guess I could go with either way. I guess either way. It was already kind of a blessing already. So yeah. Uh, hidden back down on Legend of the Rangers. From sci-fi pictures. They are fearless. We walk in the dark places no others will enter. They are warriors. We do not break away from combat. They are legends. We are born of the stars. They are rangers. We stand on the bridge and no one may pass. We live for the one. We die for the one. Legend of the Rangers. January 19th at 9 on Sci-Fi. Presented by Computer Discount Warehouse. The Sci-Fi Channel TV show that never became. It was a TV movie. It happened at the same time. Was it the football playoffs or was it a Super Bowl? What what was playing it? Let me look it up. It might have been. It was probably the playoffs. Um, NFL playoffs. There you go. Okay. So, yeah. Poster for this. I can't find anywhere else. If you go to the backed up uh, link for Sci-Fi Channel, you know, because they this was one of their original movies. There's some very cool artwork that you can find on how they designed the ships. Entering Canadian actor who's often been a bad guy on any every other show, been on soap operas and Hallmark Channel and a few different B movies. Is none other than Dylan Neal as David Martell, <laughs> a human assigned, a human ranger who's assigned, you know, to work on a, a remod. They pretty much do just what they did with Call to Arms, but they're re- they're fixing up a ship. And they have Mike Viger, and this is around the same time that he was about to, you know, was already working on Voyager and Enterprise. So they use a lot of his tracking shots, almost semi-digital look. He is required to uh, transport uh, Jakar. Once again, Andreas Katsoulis returns in the role. And they need someone from Babylon 5 to, you know, transition to be kind of like a bridge to the new show. Right, they got to transport him and all these other Narns and diplomats while at the same time take down 
a bunch of other shadow type people. So there's a bunch of other mutinies and foul play here, but it's its own. It's a standalone movie. Well, it's, it was supposed to be a. It was kind of a backdoor pilot, right? If it, if right. it had been successful, it would have <laughs> been. I think it could have really taken off. And I know this one is often the uh, bastard child of the franchise for so many people. Just so many people didn't like the. I think the reason that is is because the way they the thing they use to fight it, uh, they use a virtual fighting thing and they're just firing out fireballs. It just looks goofy with that. That was so bad. <laughs> that's the, that's what I remember the most about this movie. I'm, <laughs> that scene. Um, it, it was, was one of those, I take yeah. it or leave it. Like it could have been better shot, but I mean, it's so over the top. It's not as over the top as some lesser B five episodes, but it is definitely one of those is like, yeah, you're, you're going to have to be a hardcore cyberpunk that was them trying to capitalize on the fame of the matrix and they should have just shot it so differently, just redesigned it. Just at least had a shot where someone, you know, just is looking into a virtual device with their, you know, eyes, you know, compartmentalized instead of just making it look like they're in outer space, firing fireballs at this, you know, other ship. So, yeah. Um, it's also known as to live and die in starlight. I, that sounds like a cheesier title. That sounds like a name of an episode. Most of the cast of this is pretty much Canadian. They have Alex Sahara from Stargate SG-1. He's played multiple roles on that one, on that show as various... He's been on virtually every Canadian show he's been on, uh, as well as the 13th Warrior. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's here as Delon, not to be confused with Delin, and he looks so much like... Uh, what's his name from uh, Lost in Space... You know, Bill Mooney. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks almost linear. like him. Yeah, he almost looks like Linear, especially when he's briefing David on the whole thing. And yeah, this is the part of the Interstellar Alliance. The Rangers are working with the Mimbari. So um, yeah, it's kind of just another side mission. I think it could have, I would have definitely watched the show, but I can definitely see why some people would just be turned off by this and just been like, yeah, fuck this. Don't care. <laughs> Thoughts? I, you know, <laughs> completest that I am. I mean, if it had gone on to a show, I definitely would have watched it. But the movie, it's not bad, but it's not great. I put it kind of middle of the road. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not great. It has some really bad parts, but overall, it's interesting. It's nice being. What's your take on the characters? I mean, like, uh, Mackenzie Gray as the main villain, Kafta. I would have never known that was him unless I was you know, a movie buff like I am. Uh, I feel like the villains are kind of secondary in this, but in a way, I guess you could say the mutinies and are better handled than in a call to arms. You actually know where to look for it and kind of see them, you know, fighting on the shit while at the same time having a space battle. It, it's a standalone thing. Yeah. It could have easily been its own thing, but it helps that it's part of the B5 universe because otherwise no one would have seen this. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't. The character is probably not that memorable, <laughs> except for Jakar, <laughs> who we've already known for many years. Yeah, but, uh, some people uh, were acting like he was acting more crankily like in season one. I didn't really get that vibe. He was just being comical because I mean he is comical if you watch seasons four and five. It's just he downplays his hot-headedness. But yeah, I mean, 
they could have at least had him join in on the battle. That would have been more fun. But because he's all, oh, I have to be a prophet. I've given up battle. <laughs> yeah. You know, who played Martel actually did embrace this, though. He showed up at some of those conventions like around 2016. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> but his role is kind of just minuscule. He at first you think he's going to be a hothead like Han Solo in Star Wars, but he ends up just kind of just being just, well, OK, then <laughs> just small remark then going instantly into battle so i guess i just like the action on this and that it's not but like you say the whole hologram thing that's pretty much what divides everybody is <laughs> the fan base on this it's just it wasn't the very well placed it just kind of at first i had to even make sense wait are they actually in space just the way it was animated like no it's it's a virtual okay <laughs> ne- needless cyberpunk Johnny Mnemonic running man type look. Um, yeah, just if you're B5 completist or you're just now, well, I don't know if I would convince people. I almost tried to get into this before I became a B5 one because it would occasionally reshow on sci fi, but the reviews for it were so bad. I, I just thought otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't try to introduce anyone with this. Yeah, <laughs> but... they, they might take one look at this and just say, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Find it as bad as any other blockbuster that was around that time in 02, but it is what it is. If you're a sci fi guy, obviously you're going to check it out at some point, but. Uh, I went in with totally low expectations. I was like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to like this, but I I had fun, but I, I can't. I also got can't recommend it to everybody because it's not. It's just rough around the edges in some places to where, once again, if you are a big, big nitpicker, you will give this a zero out of five stars. If you're a big B5 person, you're still going to not give it the highest score. And if you're, again, if you thought Crusade was mediocre, you still might like this better, but you still might feel like it's unrealized potential or a disappointment. So I don't know. I I give it a three and a half out of five just because I like the ship design and the idea how these, you know, this is a ranger and this is a bunch of other alien races and guys who are, you know, having to do a bunch of missions because that's kind of what B5 was. You know, if you take away Sheridan and, Ivanova and Jakar and Londo, then you got, you know, Marcus going on separate adventures. So maybe it would have been better if they had actually had Marcus return. This had to be kind of a prequel movie. I don't know. Yeah. Brought him back out of his hey. whatever. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that would have been. I, I just meant in general, just like, but be like a origin story. But I mean, it could have also. They could have even at least done like he does, had those kind of cool pole that extends out like a lightsaber, but not. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would have given it a little more B5 acceptance, I guess. And maybe as a standalone adventure, definitely made it be more cooler. So the final installment, the B5, The Lost Tells, a direct-to-video movie. I think it had a private screening as well at some festival, not festivals, at uh, conventions, but I can't confirm that. So, Ten years. Ten years since the world changed. Ten years since I changed. But it feels like I never left the place. Babylon 5 is a place of beginnings and endings. I wonder which this will be. 
he who will cause the horrors that you have seen. Yeah, I think they were planning on doing more, but I think this is what convinced JMS not to do any more unless he could get a good budget for him. Yeah, exactly. It's so much... The effects are really good. Even though you know it's green screen, it's way the most high-budget B-Fi movie as as it's ever been. Some people hate the green screen. I don't know. I think it looks better than some of yeah. those lesser episodes. Yeah, the scene where they're standing in the docks, I think, would look pretty, pretty good. <laughs> but, um, the station is definitely, you've never seen a 3D rotation of that. That's that's the money. That's the money right I there. I was watching, what was I watching the other day where they, um, it was a space, it was that show Away on Netflix where they were, go, they oh, go yeah. they're on a mission to Mars and they created gravity by rotating the <laughs> rotating part of the ship. I was like, hey, I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah. They're doing it Martian style or the first style, so they're getting away with it, but he's like, yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, well, this is two different stories. I remember when I tried, this was when Netflix first brought on streaming. I tried watching this on Netflix, but it would always freeze in the same spot. And I tried watching it on different devices, but always the same thing. And I, would, I tried sending Netflix messages about it, but nothing ever. Um, they never oh, fixed dear. it. But yeah, but, but I had to finally buy it on DVD to actually watch this. And Oh, dear. Yeah. I bought these movies off of Prime, but... <sighs> Like you say, that that's some ridiculous shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's happening? Why is it always freezing? <laughs> I tried it on my Xbox, tried it on my laptop, and it was always the same thing. But yeah, I, um, it's two different stories. Um, one with lock. I mean, it's very stripped down. You don't have that many um, people from the show. Uh, yeah. I think JMS once described this as being like overwritten and overproduced, which I can see that. It's just, I think I like the, uh, I don't know which one I liked better. Maybe they're both, both equally, but I was really interested in the uh, Lockley story. Um, I guess this guy really um, possessed, I think. But yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it made a difference. Yeah. I liked, I liked that story. But yeah, but the Sheridan part was, I think that had some connection to his son right I yeah remember yeah but yeah there connection it's confusing at first it's like okay this is before as he's going away and retiring i think the real star of it it's really not even all that action unless you want to count just flying for space but uh yeah it starts out kind of like an omen exorcist type movie where it's very unrelated, but it's kind of interesting because it's kind of has to do with faith and everything and all that, which is what the show is about. This is what was always interesting. J. Michael Straczynski really does understand religion, maybe arguably better than those who have, you know, abide by religion. And, you know, he's an outspoken atheist. So he, he does it in a way where it just always feels so natural and not so preachy. You just know it's going to be a well-written speech or soliloquy, if you will, a poem. The real star of this is definitely in the second portion of the movie where in the Lost Tales, where basically is asked by a greater power. Uh, yeah, Galen comes, yeah, enters again and just oh, says, yeah. you have to kill this guy who's going to become a war criminal and start another war. It can all be avoided. And he finds a way to kind of cheat. It's like, there's always another option. There's always a plan C. There's an option A. I don't do anything. And this guy kills a bunch of people I could have avoided and option B I become 
a hypocrite and kill him and murder him in space while during a so-called travel. He's like, he just points him away and pretty much convinces him. He's like, you don't want to do this with your life. He like saves the guy's life because the guy almost crashes while he's following him. And that's the irony. Like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Once again, this is going to lose everybody. If they try and get into this, this is again, just this is a side chapter of a book. This is a additional material, but it's so well produced. It's still visually striking and we're seeing for visual effects completists. But yeah, don't watch this unless you are a fan. <laughs> yeah. Or just have to see anything that, you know, came out at any video store that, you know, was a sci-fi genre movie. <laughs> and you don't care about the plot and just about the visuals, but yeah, this definitely one of the better produced ones. I definitely prefer like for me, this is just this is a good farewell movie. So that's why I dig it. But I can see why some would just be lost or be like, hmm, not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, it was um, it's better than some of the other movies, but yeah, not, not the best. Yeah, it's. I, do, I definitely wouldn't rank it higher than the finale, and especially because you're not going to be able to make sense of the finale if if you watch just this and then the finale would be like, wait, what? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> it, it does make sense that he went this area. He's like, just feature the same cast. And uh, on the DVD, I, I guess you can attest to this, they have all these comics. Oh, I don't think I've seen the comics. Ever. Yeah, it, it's just kind of just like in the intro. Uh, where they just show pictures of everybody from the past. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, apparently. Probably, yeah, I just don't remember. <laughs> it's all good. They're just, I'll buy the DVDs at some point on a discount sale. I mean, how can I not? So uh, spinoff material. This had several different comics, also written by the creator. Also uh, to note, uh, there was a video game that was supposed to be produced. It was abandoned, but someone, presumably one of the developers, made it be just one of those you could download it off a bootleg video game site. And a lot of people were enjoying a lot of the fly-throughs and what could have been. YouTube is definitely the place. You can see some of the special features from Crusade on there. You can also see a cool a TNT special with hosted by Bruce Boxletner as he's showing, uh, you know, as season four is, you know, starting on TNT and all that, and season five, just it's a cool making of. It really does give you a bigger appreciation of what they've done over the years because it shows clips from all the seasons and just all the various actors. Uh, definitely go to JMS or B5.com. Uh, just type it in, and you'll see so many DVDs showing archived CNN interviews. So much love has been put into this because the creator has, you know, been able to produce a lot of promo materials since, you know, he's the production company. Uh, by all means, gather those up. In many ways, that will actually get you into this. If you just need a better understanding, watch some of these episodic books. Ask anyone who's heard of it if they were a fan. It's not going to be easy to get into, but it's so worth getting into it. You have no idea, guys. If you're into Stargate, definitely this'll, this will you'll dig this. Stargate in itself, I don't know if you're a fan of that or, of that or Dark Matter or The Expanse. Um uh, yeah, definitely the expanse. I've started on Stargate, but um, oh, really? Yeah, first, <laughs> you're the second person in a row I've encountered who just began it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I went through all of it last year, and it and it was one one of those I had started off in the show. I had watched a lot of it back when it was re-airing older episodes as well as the older sci-fi seasons on Sci-Fi, and 
it's definitely one of those it benefits so much if you watch it all back to back but in a way once it stops being star trek with dark humor or twilight or outer limits which makes sense because it was by the creators of the outer limits remake once it stops doing that part of the first season it does kind of do what b5 does best where it does like you know free parters not just two parters free parters <laughs> yeah just always and, and once again it always ends with a final battle it's like they're attacking earth it helped it helped that it had a lot of a cl- it had a lot to go on because it had already been a cult movie you know with the egyptian stuff yeah and the star of macgyver and a bunch of other it made all these other canadian actors uh names for themselves um and it was just so much like space above and beyond and b5 so i think it had a lot of that working for it plus star trek actors guest starring on there uh but yeah b5 it's just so ridiculous how unless you are just so open-minded and just like older movies it's going to be really hard to introduce people into it so yeah it can be there's some I have some friends who are extremely high and just into drugs and philosophy. So obviously they'll be an easy audience for it because they like just weird shit. Uh, there's other people I know who wouldn't ever want to give this ever a time of day. They are just like, yeah. it looks, looks like a bad nineties. Yeah. There's some stuff that's really dated, but I mean, once you, if you can get past, <laughs> get past that and you know, it's really worth watching. It really is. I know some pals who remember it watching it when they were kids, but you know, again, they just fell off because, you know, they stopped watching TV They grow up. And if you want to get it on, get it on Vudu, it's definitely the better looking one from what it looks so far. Uh, the Prime near the end became really bad at, uh, say what you will about the DVD quality, or I think it looks slightly better than DVD, but not by much. I still recommend it if you just don't want to risk buying a show that you're not sure if you'll like or not. Just uh, do the streaming if you like what you see, buy the DVDs. If you want the special features, buy the books, buy the comics. Uh, but yeah, Voodoo definitely seems like the best one because it's just it's very discounted price. It's definitely network versions instead of just retitling, redoing a bunch of different stuff for the DVD sets. Although JMS was definitely better than George Lucas at making little changes that no one picked up on right away just because it was intended in the script and it was his world. And he's just like... Hey, if I'm remastering this, why don't I give it the ultimate, you know, look? Especially because a lot of the ones talking about the propaganda stuff weren't able to be aired right away because, you know, whoever was in charge of broadcasting at the time considered it, you know, airing time or just saw what was going on with it and didn't like the message. So um, if you definitely want something visionary, if you're a hardcore sci-fi novel lover... I think you can't go wrong with this. So yeah, just quickly, I'm going to rank seasons two for four, a five out of five, uh, what one in five, a three and a half. And then the movies ranging from three to four out of five. And then a crusade, definitely a four and a half out of five and legend of the Rangers, maybe a three and a half out of five. It's just, I can't be specific because this is all going to vary by fan. So it yeah. really is that complicated, guys. This is not like Star Trek where everybody's agrees on the even numbered ones for the most part. No, it's not. It's not that at all. This is this isn't even like Star Wars where everyone prefers whatever certain era <laughs> based on what what age they grew up in. No, this is not that at all. This is 
aged so differently. There's plenty of people who hated it back when it was on and still hate it today. <laughs> and there's people who loved it back when it was on and still love it today. So there, it's that that diverse of crew, guys. It, there's always some fans each year, just like with Stargate, because they're offered on all the streaming platforms. But much like that show, please give it a go. You'll you'll find that there is cool standalone franchises that easily rival Wars or Track. I, I can't believe there's such a thing, but there is. Better yet, if you like either version of Battlestar Galactica, definitely check this out. It just that's another one which everyone likes to act like it's just Wars or Track that's in the sci-fi franchise, or even Terminator that's in the franchise of that genre. But no, this. This definitely had some skin in the game, and because of its vast storytelling and mystery, uh, it has definitely still resonated with so many people today. So, uh, Will Johnson, uh, thank you for being on the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Anytime. And I really loved your breakdowns as well, because you really did kind of bring in some extra layers. It's like, wow, yeah, and that's so true. Yeah, it's just so much fun talking about B5 and spent so much time reading about it, reading the stuff that JMS posted on the internet back in the day. So I don't know. I think that's still out there, still archived. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it still is. It's archived, but not in a way where you can't find it. And um, in many ways, he's answered virtually every question. <laughs> everyone's asked him. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah, everyone's yeah. asked. So uh, what was the, how many people are on this ship? whatever made drove the plot forward. He's that kind of yeah. guy. Thank you so much for being on here and you're welcome back anytime to discuss any other franchises. I can send you a list of stuff to talk about. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to. Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, "Give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win." On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say, breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America vs. Darth Vader, Solid Snake vs. the Iron Giant, classic matchups like Robocop vs. Terminator, and even the Muppets vs. Sesame Street. That one was crazy. 
So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. BlindKnowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a